welcome to Founders and Friends podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And my very special guest today is Russ Heddleston from Docsend. Welcome, Russ. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So our mutual friend, Benjamin Wayne, introduced us. He is a good buddy of ours, or mine, and he sits on your board, right? Yeah. He's our independent board member. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's awesome. So we met a couple weeks ago, or maybe a couple months ago. I've used the Docsend product for a very long time, and so I immediately was like loving what you're doing. Do you mind telling the audience like how you had the idea for the product and kind of retrace your career a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. And it's also funny that we're two blocks away from you. So the people <laughs> creating Docsend were just two blocks away this entire time. Um, so my background, studied computer science at Stanford. Um, before that, I am from South Dakota originally. I don't... There, there's not a lot of computer science in the state of South Dakota. So, so when I got out to yeah. Stanford, I was like, oh, what's the cool stuff going on? Like software, software is pretty great. I actually started by building robots in undergrad. And then oh. I was like, robots are slow. It's a slow industry. <laughs> so it's like software is better. I got into software. Worked at a whole bunch of different software companies. Uh, was it uh, the first intern at Trulia way back in the day? No I was way. an intern at Microsoft. Yeah, Pete and Salming are awesome. Um, still friends with a lot of people from Trulia. I was at Microsoft. Um, I then joined a company called Grace Drive. That was a mobile ad network uh, after I did my master's in computer science at Stanford. Hired uh, two of my friends from Stanford, who are actually my two co-founders for Docs and now, into Grace Stripe. I went back for business school out at Harvard. Uh, I think the computer science was probably more useful, although that actually changes over time. I appreciate the MBA the, the farther in the future I, I get, yeah. uh, especially being the CEO at Docsend now. Yeah. A lot of that stuff is, is kicking in and it's pretty, pretty helpful. While I was at HBS, I uh, did an internship at Dropbox, which is where some of the you know, concepts behind Docsend came from, or at least my familiarity with the space. I then started another company called Pursuit. We raised a seed round of funding, like 500K, uh, ran it for about a year, and I'm sure a lot of startups get to this moment where like, uh-oh, this isn't working like we thought it was working. <laughs> and, um, and so we were gonna shut it down, and we were lucky enough that uh, Facebook was one of our, um, the first companies to use Docsend, and so we were one of their, their talent acquisitions. And so then we went and joined there, and I ran the uh, product for the Pages team uh, for a couple of years. And uh, it was zero engineers when I started, then we had four, and then we relaunched it in the timeline design, which they're, they're still using. Uh, and then I uh, left Facebook because I, I wanted to start something again. And so I met up with Dave and Tony. And when we were starting Docsend, we, we didn't know we were starting Docsend. We actually had a, a list of ideas because with Pursuit, I just saw something and I said, great, you know what, we're going to build it. And then getting a year into it, I was like, I should have thought through this more in more methodical. detail. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually did a lot of customer interviews and around um, asking questions of businesses. Like, do we want to sell software to you know car dealerships? Or maybe there's another reviews website that needs to be made with a different take on things. And the, the concept behind Docsend was, was basically the, the question, why do people still send attachments? And so we just interviewed a lot of people in different business contexts and trying to figure out, like, why do you send attachments? It doesn't make sense. There's just so many ways to not send an attachment. So the theory we had, and this whole time we weren't writing any code because one of the problems as a software engineer is you just want to write code. You don't think a whole lot about what you're writing code to yeah. do. And the problem is typically not that you can't build it. The problem is that you build something that nobody wants. <laughs> that's like the Y Combinator thing, right? They always say build something that people want. It's like that simple. I think that's that the advice. seems yeah. like really good yeah. advice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, we did all these interviews and uh, the, we came up with is it's got to be easier to send a Docsend link than it is to send an attachment and it has to provide enough value to the sender that it really changes their behavior. Yeah. 
I always say you can't prove something is a great idea. You give yourself a period of time and you can prove to yourself it's a bad idea. We got through a lot of different bad ideas. And with Docs Enemies, you have to be like, this thing should exist. Like this what? Makes what are some of the bad ideas on the Docs Enemies? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, the name uh, before it was Docs Enemies, it was uh, Docsha, like document sharing. And we had a whole bunch of other really horrible names. And, yeah. and it was like Docs was the only one that made any sense. <laughs> we were joking with our employees the other day. like. If we were called tval.com and anyone work here, I was yeah. like, nope, 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 no, 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 I don't no, even know why the no, name makes sense. Yeah, to looking through awesome. the list of like domains, it's really hard to find a domain. Do, do you look at your co-founders and be like, "See, I told you, we did the right." <laughs> like whoever had, whatever three of you had the, the wrong idea, there uh, you like. Uh, they made fun of me for coming up with such a long list of brainstormed names for our company, but. You know, Dachshund was one of them. Yeah. You know, if you're going to brainstorm, you got to get a lot of ideas out there before yeah. you get a good one. Uh, Tony really wanted the company to be called Doc Racky. Oh, like Dorzraki, like yeah, in Game exactly. Of yeah, exactly. I think they, you they, made a wise choice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's a little, little niche. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, we convinced ourselves that, you know, okay, this Doxen thing, this should be a thing that exists in the world, we're, we're going to go build this. And then we raised a seed round uh, maybe six months after incorporating. Um, we probably spent three months ideating and interviewing people, bought the domain, six months after raised a seed round, and then we, we raised a, a Series A maybe a year and a half after that. And so in total, we've raised $9.7 million. Um, August Capital was the, the firm that led our Series A. And you guys are doing really well. Like I see the product out in the in the wild everywhere. But like do you have some stats on like kind of adoption and I mean people who are listening to this podcast probably know it's doing really well, but <laughs> what's the world look like to Doxin? Because you guys have such a granular view of all the views and the data. Yeah, the data we have in our system is, is really cool. It's also funny that we can see when people are working or not. Like oh. there's actually annual seasonality to our business. Like no one does any work in Q4. But it varies by different uh, country. And then you can see over Thanksgiving, like everything shuts down. That's because awesome. Dachshund is only used in a B2B context. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to see see that data. Yeah, but when we, when we raised our, our Series A uh, in 2015, it was like three years ago, which is oh crazy, gosh. we weren't making any money. We yeah. actually didn't know what our business was. We are like, this is a great technology. Like, you could even give us money if you wanted to, uh, which in <laughs> retrospect like revenue, was, a poor, like was a poor choice. Yeah, this is what happens when you have a bunch of engineers build something, uh, build it, and they will come, and then maybe we'll monetize later. I don't uh, know. And so at that point, when we raised our Series A, we you know, weren't making any money. And since then, we've had to turn what's a great technology into uh, a great business. Yeah. And so we've got, at this point, a little over 6,300 companies that pay for Docsend, and they really vary in size. So you know everything from like Pinterest down to like startups by a whole bunch of different use cases by vertical. So commercial real estate, consulting, uh, a lot of financial services. Uh, I remember when we were starting off Docsend, uh, we we did this research piece on fundraising because we thought it'd be cool to have some aggregate stats around that. And so we got people to opt into it. And so we, we sent out a survey to people being like, hey, you know, would you let us use our stats? Like privacy is a huge concern for us. So it was you know, definitely like an opt-in sort of thing. And yeah. I sent out this this uh, automated email, you know, people who filled it out. And it came back with like billions of dollars that was already at that time being raised in Docsend. No I was like, way. oh man, I didn't realize that there were this many people raising this much money. It's like a hedge fund that's like, yes, I raised $500 million using Docs. I'm like, wow, that's great. Fundraising is certainly one use case of it, but of the 6,300 customers, 
Uh, I think uh, fundraising only accounts for 15% of our revenue. So it's actually a very small component. And a lot of that is fundraising in the sense that most people don't think of it. It's not a startup fundraising. It's like a much bigger institution of some sort using yeah. Docsen for fundraising. I totally would have thought that because I, I immediately, my brain went to startups, but like it makes sense that hedge funds or mutual funds or all these, mm-hmm. all these folks would be using it. Yeah, we, it's so crazy as we you look through our customers and try to understand what on earth they're doing with it because there's just so many different use yeah. cases. And what's neat is that everyone thinks it's built just for them, uh, even though they're all in very different lines of work. Well, I used to work at a fund and we had this like super old school portal and you had to have a login and all this, and it was terrible. And you guys basically replaced all that. It's just so easy. We, we became uh, cash flow positive recently and it was basically on accident. Um, we <laughs> raised prices is I think the old joke for startups saying, you need to make more money, just raise your prices. Um, what was That's the moment of truth though, when you do that. Like, did you guys have a big meeting and be like, okay, are we really gonna do this? Cause it's a little scary, right? Like, oh, could it's, have super, a lot of it's super scary. Um, Cause we used to have three plans. There was personal, team and enterprise. But then as I was interviewing customers and kind of digging through, because we hadn't like redone our pricing in a while, I was interviewing people, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like just the way we've set this stuff up doesn't make any sense. And a lot of customers were getting into the enterprise plan for some of the features we had there, but they weren't enterprise. They didn't need the other stuff yeah. that was there. So when we relaunched it, we, we made it, we gave the personal away at the same price point. And that's definitely like what startups use. We also will give docs send away for free through incubators like Y Combinator mm-hmm. and, and 500 uh, startups and uh, a bunch of the other ones. And so there, we left that alone, but then we added the standard plan that's 45 bucks a month. And that's basically what was enterprise, but in a self-serve. So you can get this deal spaces feature in there, which makes a lot of sense. And so it's like you're a professional, you're like a salesperson, you're a commercial real estate person. Um, and then there's another plan uh, for finance that is more security oriented. So it's things like whitelisting and watermarking oh. and stuff like that. Cause the only difference between like a, a deal room for a salesperson and a deal room for a financing person is just the security controls yeah. on it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we broke those things out and we just started making way more money we like increased our rate of revenue growth by 5x um so that was that was pretty cool to see take a second to talk about what a deal room is because i've used the products i know but maybe just describe it because a lot of people get the presentation like in their email but you have this i don't know how new the deal room is but it's like it's this world where you can see all your different documents and you can explain better than i can yeah the the request came in a lot of different ways it was like uh i want to send a folder of stuff i can send a link to one document but i want to send a folder um that's one way people would ask it Uh, actually the way we built spaces was by uh it came as a request from agencies and we actually saw agencies paying people to build websites where they would embed docs and links inside of them. So they'd make a website and then it'd have docs and links oh in there. Oh my God. And like we're a like, Google site or just an actual real site? No, actually it was like WordPress, like there was someone who was like coding things. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense, but the presentation was so important to them. They were building these websites. Yeah. And then we looked at our database and we're like, maybe one way to check for this is to look for documents and docs and that have docs and links inside of them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we ran a query on that. And so what people would do is they in Google slides or whatever, they would make a folder oh by, by embedding docs and links inside of another document and putting that document into docs. And, and so at that point for this particular feature, we're like, Oh, people really want this feature. So when we built the send a folder feature, we made it look a lot prettier. They're very easy to, to use. You can chuck a bunch of stuff into what is effectively a microsite, design yeah. it for wherever you're sending it to, break it up into sections, but notes on top of things. Uh, and we built it for the, the sales use case as like a deal room as your, your deal progresses. But then you know people started using it in the financing use case as well. So it's really interesting. Whenever we build a feature, more people always end up using it than I ever think like are going to be That's incredible the case. though. 
Um, another example is this in the finance plan, because we're like, okay, we gotta add more value to that, people are paying for it, that's great, it's very exciting, and we listened to their request. The one-click NDA came up a ton. Oh. So ahead of getting into deal space, you gotta agree to someone's NDA, it's like, okay, that makes a ton of sense. What I didn't realize since then is that a lot of salespeople need to sign NDAs as well, especially if you're in you know, cybersecurity or something, okay. you need yeah. to have a, uh, an NDA signed ahead of uh, you know, doing a proof of concept, because yeah. your messaging is critical to you, you don't want it to get to yeah. a competitor. All of these things kind of blend together in what is effectively a very similar use case. Our challenge is just to brand them separately uh, and kind of verticalize them uh, differently and explain to people yeah. why it's a perfect fit for them. It sounds like you're really good at teasing out user behavior and user requests, though, to figure out kind of your product mode roadmap. It's like that's that's really well. Awesome. My background is as a you know product person primarily. That's yeah. that's the most common job I've I've had, and I don't involve myself too much in the product at Docsend anymore. We've got. Uh, uh, Justine is our director of product management who's awesome and she does a lot, a lot of really good work talking to customers and figuring it out. You never want to build something that's so specific for one person, you kind of want to make it general in yeah. a certain way. And I just get a kick out of that where you can build software that's just used by a variety of different people. That's exciting. You know when you made it when people are doing that, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, whenever people use software you've created in ways you didn't anticipate, like uh, we had this thing recently where for some reason the ICO community just decided that Docsend was the no, best way to send awesome. out ICO white papers. Yeah. I was like, huh, I didn't even think about that. I heard about this because our CTO, Tony, was complaining that the server costs were going up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I wonder what, what this, that, that's good though. Where that's coming from. Usage, it's like yeah. People sending their their, uh, their ICO white papers like all over the world is like, oh, I guess that's kind of like free advertising for us. So that's nice. But that's amazing. That wasn't the use case we targeted. <laughs> going back to one of the first things you said was you have to create a reason for the seller, the, the sender to change their behavior, which I think is like so smart and one of the things I love I don't know if this is the killer app for you guys but getting those stats on who's using it who's reading like as a sender if I build a presentation and doc send send it out I can see who's reading it who's using it what pages they're on was that the killer app for you guys was that what kind of swayed everyone to change their behavior and start using it I think people probably associate docs and most closely with those per page analytics yeah. Um, I mean, another smart thing we did very early on is whenever you send a Docsend link to somebody, we'll take a look at what company you're sending it to, and then we'll bucket all the data underneath that company. So if I send uh, a Docsend link to you, Scott, it'll show up under Cruise uh, Consulting in yeah. Docsend, and then I can see who you forward that to. So it oh. tracks the forward path of it, because it's always a unique link. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I basically, yeah. if I'm using Docsend for fundraising, for instance, in Docsend, I have a little dashboard that shows me every VC I've sent my pitch tech to, who's read it, who they forward it to. So if someone forwards it to someone they're not supposed to, yeah. I get that data, which That's is really huge. helpful. But if you're a salesperson, you also think of the world this way, yeah. you need to figure out who's involved in the buying cycle. Yeah. And so you want to take a look through the different prospects that you're selling to, and you want to understand which of them are at risk, which of them care a lot, and who might be spending a lot of time on my content, and I didn't know they were part of the buying cycle. I need to figure out what their agenda yeah. is. So that makes so much sense to the buying cycle. And you probably are picking up extra leads that way because they send it outside their company. Mm -hmm. You can see that too, right? And you're like, yep. oh, this person at HP actually, I never even, I sent it to someone at Dell and now this person at HP is reading it. That means HP is a target cu customer. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very exciting. Although it's surprising to people how rarely the content they send is actually read. Um, <laughs> it's a little like social media, like not yeah. that many people are actually listening to you. <laughs> exactly. Like Facebook post got one like, <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> 
Yeah, so it can kind of be a double-edged sort of thing. But then when people are looking at it, the nice thing is that there's pretty much a one-to-one correlation between someone's interest and if they're reading the content you send them. And that content usually is the highest value information for you. It's your company's branding, your messaging, uh, that sort of stuff. We came out with some research recently called The Secret Lives of Prospects, where we were just looking at the average number of people for like mid-market deals that were involved in the buying cycle. I think we came up with like 5.4 or something. And just the number of pieces of content that were involved in that sort of thing. And so it's just really interesting to see some of this stuff in aggregate. And I love having this much data for us as a company that we sit on top of because we're getting to the point where we can actually do some really interesting research. Yeah. Also, every time someone new gets it, they get the chance to like opt into the product and try it out for free and all that kind of stuff. Like it's a really powerful, like uh, what, I forget what the, the coefficient, the new user the coefficient. viral coefficient. This is a Facebook e-term. Yeah, 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 yeah. Viral coefficient, right? Yeah. Uh, I was actually just looking at this the other day. I think it's 28% of our users have come from having looked at a Docsend link, which is great, but 42% of our users have come from just typing in docsend.com. So our virality is actually more word of mouth than it is uh, as a recipient, you become a sender. That happens sometimes, but it's less common than someone just saying, oh, I got this really cool new thing. You should try it out too. Or maybe it's one of those things where they need to see it a couple times, then they finally type it in or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, We actually looked at this histogram of, uh, for the people who sign up after seeing docs on links, uh, you know, the number of docs on links they had before they signed up. And I remember one of them, like we scrolled to the bottom, it was like someone saw 427 docs on links. (laughs) They're finally like, okay, I'll do it. What is this? (laughs) They went and signed up for it. Okay, you got me. Also, this is amazing. Your business is cash flow positive. Like that's fantastic. Um, like how how did you get it there? Did you architect the the sales cycle and self serve to be able to get you there? Like, what was the thought process on that? Uh, there's a lot of thought process on that. Uh, I've been a mentor for uh, StartX for a number of years, although I haven't haven't done it in the last year or so. Um, but it's been fun to advise companies on that, and you know, fundraising is a big part of that. And then I've uh, done some angel investing on the side as well, uh, which is really fun. Somehow I always end up being the the angel investor that has to help uh, a lot. I was gonna say everyone would want you because you, you you're <laughs> you're good at thinking through all these problems. Yeah. <laughs> or you just want help from someone who's done it before. Yeah. But you know, for other startups, I always say if you're you know when we raised our A round, there's one mentality that says you know whatever you raise, plan to burn it in 18 months. And that makes sense for some businesses. It depends on the type of business that you're creating. Especially if you're going up market, you've got like an outbound sales team, uh, or you're like an enterprise motion, like that that makes a ton of sense. If you're doing what, what Doxon's done, which is really like tweaking things to get product market fit and like really trying to have an inbound and very low cost and transactional sales model, that can take a little bit longer. So when we raised our series A, we weren't planning to burn it in 18 months. We were planning to use that money as we iterate on the product and you know, find, found product market fit. And it just happens that by the time we, we did that, the revenue was high enough that you know we got to be cash flow positive, which is actually a great spot to be in. Um, as soon as you don't need money, everyone would like to give yeah, you money. Yeah. And if you really need money, you can be in a really tough spot. Yeah. Um, so well, you kind of, it sounds like you may have gone through that in your previous startup and now you're living, like all these lessons you learned at the company that was acquired by Facebook have now landed at Docsend where you have a cash flow positive business and it's a lot of self-serve customers. It's a little easier probably to run. Uh, that is Maybe a very not nice, easier. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very nice property of our business is that, uh, you know, I say like how many people call Gmail for support? It's like no, no one has problems with Docsend. It just yeah. does what it's supposed yeah. to do. And so you can actually run a really lean organization that way. There's yeah. no services component to it or anything like that. 
Um, and I definitely learned a lot uh, working on Pursuit, although we didn't actually spend any of the money that we raised. We were oh. like 500K, and we were, we were just doing it for years, just the three of us. Um, and, and so then we're like, oh, not working. And Docsend, you kind of get to the frontier of your own knowledge as you, it's like, kind of like the concept of everyone rises to the level of incompetency yeah. within an organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm definitely in a, a new zone for Docsend. That's exciting though, it's probably fun for you. Like oh, it's super fun for me, yeah. yeah. Like, it's great, we've got like a VP of sales, uh, we've got an inside sales team, and so just watching them and helping them. It's, I've, yeah. I've never worked in sales before, yeah. so it's really fun to have all these functions at the company. Now we're just hiring up on our marketing team, and so it's really fun to basically go through and figure out like what type of people do we need, what are the skill sets, like what, how do we define the role. All that stuff is super fun. Working at Facebook, for instance, as a product manager, the scale of things is much larger, but you're you're in a, you know kind of a corner of the organization. Yeah. I've always liked being a product manager because you get to you know work with so many different other types of functions. Yeah, and being a CEO is actually like that, just more so. Yeah, and Pages was like a bit is a big product. Like people, everyone uses that on Facebook. So you were seeing like this huge amount of behavior, and you probably it was probably incredible training for running Docsend. Yeah, it was, especially just getting buy-in across other groups inside, yeah. and, and there, there, there's some politics and stuff with any that large. Um, but yeah, it was great. At one point, I flew myself around the world and just interviewed customers to get out of the ivory tower, which is really fun. So I went to Singapore, and then I went to Japan, and I went awesome. to India, and I remember just being in Japan and like having this Japanese company like give me a presentation on how they use Facebook pages. Oh. And I remembered a stat from many years before, actually, while I was at uh, Dropbox, where Japanese businesses have the highest number of words per slide. Interesting. And then when I got this pitch from this company in Japan I was like that is absolutely accurate yeah. I have no idea what's going on in why this, is like, that page. why do you, is it just like know. thoroughness or something uh, I mean a couple of different schools of thought for a presentation it's certainly if it's a lead behind you want to have text in there but yeah. it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to put something on the wall that has a ton of text on it and then also do a voiceover because yeah. I don't know if I should read it or yeah. listen to you but anyway their 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 pitch in That's Japan was there was a lot of information in there and they had a lot of opinions on pages so <laughs> it was very educational for me uh, I love it uh, another thing we were going to talk about was because you, you have different segments you have like the I think a standard then you have enterprise like how do you decide what your target market is or do you have a different team at Docsend going after each target market like how do you structure that yeah that's always uh, a tough question for startups because if you're going to go enterprise you basically have to pick as narrow a vertical as possible mm -hmm. and you got to sell big companies and I, I've heard that referred to as the bowling pin strategy you can get an anchor account and then you know, maybe give them a really good deal on it and get a case study out of them and then go to their four other competitors yeah. and call them up and say, hey, you're getting not competed in the market because your competitor bought our product, you yeah. should buy our product too. You kind of go from company to company that's there. And it's expensive salespeople have to do that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's an expensive sales cycle. If you're doing kind of what we're doing where it's more of a horizontal, bottoms up sort of thing, and our product is freemium and you know, we intentionally made the price pretty low so it's a transactional sale. As we were saying earlier, you get to observe people using the product in ways you didn't initially intend. That's how we, why we added the Docsend for our finance uh, product. Uh, I was, you know, I sent off this automated email to a bunch of people who were in some sort of financial use case. They all got back to me and said they'd love to talk. And I remember talking to this managing director of an investment bank in Toronto, and he's like, "I use Docsend every day. I love it." And he's like, "And it's ridiculous. We don't pay you anything." And I was like, "I think your secretary <laughs> pays us ten dollars a month." And he's like, "Yes." As I said, we don't pay you anything. <laughs> You're like, "Note to self, I need to change that." Yeah, note to yeah. self, this guy won't care at all if I increase pricing. Exactly. On yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. If anything, he probably doesn't trust it because yeah. it's like it's yeah. too cheap. Yeah. I can't 
pay this little for this. It's like, the pair of shoes is too inexpensive. You're like, yeah, they're not going to last more than a week. Uh, so pricing is a really tough challenge. Everyone says they've figured it out if they have, but it's such a dark art. We have the same thing. We we never know if we're not charging enough or charging too much. And, it's, it's, and we find that it's like... Depends who you're talking to that day. Everyone's so startup founders are so opinionated on mm-hmm. our services that we get conflicting advice constantly. Yeah. You know? We we uh, surveyed uh, a bunch of our users when we were talking, thinking about launching this Docs Denver Finance product, and we're asking them like, what else do you need in it? And then you know, would you pay this much? Would you pay this much? And there actually is a formal process you can use to try to find that kind of maximum. Yeah. Where it's like enough people pay that price, but then if you go too high, then it drops off with the number. Of and there's like so a there's, math, uh, yeah, there's an math intersection. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, except maybe it's just our customers. They're too smart. Everyone said I wanted it to be free. They're like, like, how much you pay for it? Like one dollar. It's like, yeah, no, you're an investment bank in Toronto. That that doesn't make sense. But they they knew what we were doing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and so yeah. then we had to be like, okay, we're just gonna pick a random yeah, number and then see if people um, will churn or not. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is that the uh, upgrade rate went up. Normally, the upgrade rate will go down, but you make more money off each yeah. person, and so you make more money in total, but it's kind of like the, if it's too cheap, you don't trust it sort of yeah. thing. We hit a price point where I think people are just more comfortable using the software because yeah. they pay us a little bit more for That's it. That's awesome. And they, do you think it's because they know you're going to be around for a long time, or do you message the cash flow positive nature in your press and things like that because you want to instill that in the customer base, like you can trust us, we'll be around for a long time kind of thing? Or is that just, am I overthinking it? Yeah, that, I don't think that's been a concern yeah. really. I mean, sometimes if it were assigning like a, a much larger customer, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, because yeah. we're an interesting business in that there's a really wide range of sizes of companies that use Docsend. Like you've got some opportunities in our pipeline that are, you know, million dollars plus, yeah. um, which is a big deal for us. And so those companies are the ones that are like, we got to see your financials. Yeah. You know, you know we'll have a conversation. Yeah. I want to make sure you're around. I'm signing a two year deal with you and you yeah. make sure you're around. For the, the self-serve side of our business, I have no idea if and it, it even occurs to Probably anybody. Not, yeah. yeah, it's just like software. They were told it's useful and they yeah. go sign up for it and it works really well. And, they're like, and it's Great. like a monthly thing and they can cancel if they need to or something right. like that. Yeah, yeah, Heaven exactly. forbid, yeah. forbid that they actually cancel. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the other things you talked about was like an, a positive NPS score. Like, what Do you know your absolute number? Like, or maybe if you don't want to share that, it's totally cool. How, as a company, do you stress that? Like, how do you guys talk about it internally? We never have measured NPS scores in like the official way of like asking at, actually asking people for yeah. the NPS score. Uh, there, there are a lot of anecdotal ways of testing for it. Um, like when a, a company churns, uh, you know, we'll reach out and ask for feedback, and it, it happens very, very rarely. It's really hard if you've got, especially a company like ten or more people um, using Docsend to remove it because all your content is out there as Docsend yeah, links. So you, like yeah, yeah, you, you can yeah. get off of it, but it takes you a while. So we have yeah. very, very low churn there. Typically, companies churn if they go out of business is like the primary reason, and then wherever they go next, they'll use Docsend yeah. there as well. So it's interesting to see that people, as they move companies, will bring Docsend with them, that's, that's really which nice. is a very, very good sign. Yeah, you've really built a really cool business and it's just so viral it's it's amazing oh thanks was that on your like going back you made this huge list of functions or features your company would build in different industries mm-hmm. did you purposely build something so viral or was that just like a happy accident in the way the product was structured uh, it was more of a happy accident. Um, I, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, they're solving a problem they themselves have, yeah. or at least they're solving some problem that really irks them, especially if you're doing more of a bottoms up type of thing. Yeah. 
if you're doing an enterprise sale, you might actually have like a very specific knowledge about the problem that you're solving. Uh, but for me, it was it was really just uh, annoyance that people still sending attachments. <laughs> and then we thought people would be using it for internal use cases as well. And some companies do. People you know, use Doxin for their newsletters and stuff like yeah. that. But by launching it and then seeing what happened and who used it, it really highlighted the the B2B um, use case is being just such a critical one and yeah. so that continues to be where a lot of our usage comes from and it makes sense you don't you know everyone's insecure you send things what happened to them do you care you know uh, and so that is also just naturally viral which yeah. works out well for us one of my favorite I, we, th- we talked about this before I turned the mics on I love when VCs complain about the accountability of Docsend <laughs> on Twitter like don't you dare send me a Docsend power or uh, Presentation, like how dare you? Like, what do you? Does your like mentions light up or anything like that? Or do people come up to you at like a cocktail party? It's probably my primary use of Twitter these days. Is it? Yeah. It's just like yeah. listening to these conversations. Yeah. It's especially funny when a VC says like, "I'm going to build a scraper for docs and things." <laughs> first thought is like, "You shouldn't say that on Twitter. It doesn't make you sound very entrepreneur friendly." And docs and like. People can turn on downloading. It's a, it's very easy to yeah, do in yeah. the system. So when people are turning off downloading, it's because they don't want you doing things with their deck that they don't allow you yeah. to do. And so we're just kind of like the arms dealer, the middleman yeah. in this. And it's really a, a data rights question. Who owns the data here? Yeah. Is it the sender? Is it the receiver? And in an That's attachment-based yeah. world, you get the attachment. It's yours. It's yours yeah. forever. Yeah. But in the model that Docsend has, it, it kind of blurs the line a little bit. And people will still screenshot Docsend links, but you know, like we can't prevent that. Yeah. So we've never said that we're completely making it secure. There's yeah. no way to do that. The pixels are on someone else's screen, they they have your data. Yeah. It's just more annoying for them. Yeah, to, it's inconvenient for them to send to their friend. Right. And and so as I was saying earlier with the amount of revenue for us that comes from fundraising, it's such a small amount. It's not a market that matters for us. Yeah. And I you know, unfortunately for VCs, they're just kind of collateral damage. Like that's as a use case where a technology like Doxon has yeah. a clear fit. And if we didn't do it, someone was gonna do totally, it. Totally, totally. Do you have any good stories of like a VC who drank too much at a party or something coming up and getting after you or any is it just on Twitter? <laughs> is it just Twitter mentions? Uh, they seem very passionate about it. Like they really very, them. very passionate it's about weird. it. Yeah. I, yeah, but people are always very reasonable in person. Although well, I'm trying to think, yeah, some there some, goes, people, there goes some that people guy are Russ. like trying to make me feel bad. They're like, your reality just doesn't matter. Security is an illusion on the internet. I was like, I know, that's not my problem. It's like it's not what we're building this for. Don't blame Docsend for this yeah. sort of thing. You can always ask them yeah. to turn on downloading. You could try that. <laughs> Actually, the very first uh, Docsend link ever sent was to a VC, and I won't say which one. In our pitch, our seed pitch deck, the first page was our team page, and me, Dave, and Tony, all Stanford CS engineers with good backgrounds. You know, it's a, it's a good founding team. And so this person opened the Docsend link, went to the team page, didn't look at anything after that, uh, but replied saying, I love what you're working on. I can't no. wait to hear more. <laughs> and I was like, we don't have a website. There's literally nowhere you could learn what Docsend is. So and you were like the first person to get caught in the act of lying yeah. about what you <laughs> <laughs> Pure pattern matching. Then at that moment, you're like, I'm on to something. This is going to work. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, he did forward it to a colleague. And then I met with that person. And we were, we were laughing about yeah. that. Um, so yes. <laughs> so you built an awesome company, awesome product people love it uh can i ask one south dakota question oh of course my roommate from college was from sodak as he calls oh, it oh yeah mm-hmm. he claimed it was the 49th worst state because north dakota was worse than south dakota do you think of it that way he didn't have a lot of sodak pride he was glad to get out of california <laughs> like 
what, what, I Eddie? like South Dakota. I was back I there like for it a wedding. Too. I uh, went to the uh, what's the the um, the monument? It's amazing. Mount uh, Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, and then also um, the, the Native American uh, uh, monument and the Badlands. The Badlands mm-hmm. is amazing. And crazy it. horse, yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. horse, yeah. Well, it's true that there is a rivalry between South Dakota and North yeah. Dakota. It's a rivalry that no one else even knows about or cares yeah. about. I think probably in reality, uh, the U.S. should be shaped like the cold fronts that come down from the north with a U in the middle, and they should just give both Dakotas to Canada. Yeah. Because it feels more like Canada than yeah. it is like the rest of the U.S. Yeah. And there aren't that many people there anyway. So, I, But I, I've driven through it many times and spent time there. It's, it's an awesome place. Yeah, it's a really fun place to be from. Not that many software companies, though. There's like one in Sioux Falls called yeah. Click Rain. That's a fr- really a well. friend of mine's a CFO, and one was just trying to recruit him. And it's like a software company, and they're trying. It was, I was like kind of shocked. But anyway, huh? total digression. Uh, <laughs> Russ, thank you for coming by. Can you tell everyone where to find Docsend and give the quick pitch again? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so Docsend is just D-O-C-S-E-N-D. One other little funny story. Whenever we when we go to a career fairs, we'll often have people come up that are pre-med or in medical school. And, and at first we didn't realize what was going on. And then we realized that they thought we were sending doctors. So Docsend <laughs> is in like doctor sending. <laughs> doctors on the man. And so I will with a straight face tell people that we used to do that, but we had to pivot <laughs> because doctors are large, too, too they're expensive. loud, they're annoying, they're very expensive to send places. And so we had to pivot into doctors. So we had the perfect name for it. And so people hear this and they're just kind of like, is he being serious? I don't know. I was like, but unfortunately we can't send you anywhere. I'm sorry. Oh, and then they'll, that's, then they'll amazing. Walk away. that's amazing. So yeah, just docsend.com. Uh, send links instead of attachments. See who's reading them. See where they forward them. Uh, really easy to use software. It's self-serve. There's a, there's a free trial of it too. You can uh, use it. Um, and I'm uh, just russ at docsend.com if anyone ever wants to get in touch or R. Heddleston on Twitter. And it's a great product. Congratulations. I'm, I'm really happy for you. Great. Thanks, Scott. Cool. All right, Russ. Thanks. Bye.